So if I've ever looked at a biblical character or looked through the Bible and searched and tried to find someone that has that I resonate with their story or I resonate with their character, uh, even though there's very little about him, it would probably be Noah. And what was fascinating about the movie Noah <clears throat> is that it was a, a look into his mind and in his um, in his character that took you know, there's a very a handful of chapters af over the uh, that tell the story of Noah over you know hundreds of years of, of history, of biblical history of him building the ark and and God speaking to him and, and the flood and the animals and all those things. So there's so many things that that we miss about the story of Noah. And what I love about the movie Noah, as it's portrayed in in uh, as Hollywood portrayed the movie, even though there's probably some um, um, dramatization and may not portray some of the things exactly, but really in my mind that the the story in the movie of Noah answers some questions about what if, and it's looking at like imagine this guy who um, who goes. Uh, walks outside of his tent and sees he's 50 years in and he's tired and he sees the ark and he's just frustrated maybe he hasn't seen rain well he hasn't seen rain but maybe he hasn't seen like heard God's voice in 50 years and he's like not today <laughs> so I feel that way sometimes about I feel like God's given me a, a dream and a vision about what Maggie and I are supposed to do with our life, and 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 I experienced that at, at an early age, an early age of twelve, and then uh, kind of giving me more clarity at age nineteen, and then at age twenty-three when I met when I met Maggie, and then age uh, 32, 31 when the tornado hit Columbia. So all these times, God's given me uh, refinement about our dreams and our visions, about things that He wants us to do, and our purpose. But it's not every day. Like, God doesn't speak to me every day. And so if I have someone to resonate with, a character in the Bible that will be Noah, and um, what's beautiful about that story is, and sad at the same time, is that um, what sometimes what God means, means for good, the, the enemy or the devil, whatever we want to call it, the world, um, sometimes takes it and uses it for bad. And there's a... Um, uh, a thing going around with, you know, the, the, the rainbow and this whole pride movement. Um, you know, pride cometh before fall and I'm, I'm very hesitant in my own life and sometimes I even become proud, but I don't think that that's something that we should celebrate is uh, pride. I think we should celebrate confidence. I think we should celebrate joy. I think we should celebrate uh, all these things, but I do not believe that uh, we should celebrate um, pride, and I, I do believe that the rainbow in its original form and in its original beauty was meant for one purpose, and that was for the promise. When God flooded the, the earth and he destroyed 99.9997% of the human race, he produced a rainbow that was to remind us that he promises he will never destroy the earth again by flood, by water. He will do it by fire one day, but that promise is that never again will God destroy the earth by water. And 
there's so many things that God has promised us, specifically salvation. And when when I look at that, when I look at the promise in the rainbow, it reminds me of Noah's story, and it reminds me of my story because in the in the New Testament it says that eight people were saved by water, and even though God meant for the flood to drown Sim. It was a promise that he would save humankind. Humankind, as we attempt to be transformed in the image and likeness of Christ, is if our direction, not our position, but if our direction is focused and faced towards Jesus Christ, whether we are all the way in the back and our journey is just beginning, or we're 200 steps in, or we're 200 miles in, or we are on our last mile. Um, God has a promise for us that he will bring us to heaven, essentially, right? So, um, and that he will guide us and he will lead us. So for those who are in the direction, walking in the direction of Jesus Christ, not those who do not have sin, not those that, um, that um, are perfect, not, not Pharisees and Sadducees and Bible toters and scripture bangers. And, um, but God has called us for one purpose, and that is to be transformed in his image and in his likeness. And there are some processes and some cycles and some... Um, places that we find ourselves in, the pit, the, the Potiphar's house and the palace, where there are different stages of our life and, and the way that different dispensations, we find that through the different dispensations of how God speaks to man, God is always speaking to us in different ways and not that anyone is higher or lower or um, further away. We are all, as long as we are following the same direction, God is interested in our life. God is interested in our life even if we're not following the same direction, but God wants to make our path easier to Him if we are facing Him. And um, Trouble tends to come when we get one degree off. Um, but this whole process of the promise is that if I, as a Christian, my job, my duty is we've been, let me back up, we have been conditioning Christians wrong this whole time. Because what we condition Christians to do is to save the world. Noah didn't save the world. God saved Noah. And God's mission to Noah was to build an ark for himself and his family. And as a result, God would send all the animals to him, right? But God's mission, Noah did not save the world. The world was saved by water and God instructed Noah to do, to build the ark. It's like field of dreams, right? That if you build it, they will come. <clears throat> What's amazing about our journey uh, through Jesus Christ is that because we have taught Christians to save the world, what happens is our focus 
in life becomes about other people. And we begin to look and to choose and to point that person needs saving, that person needs saving, that person needs saving, that person's probably doing okay, that person needs saving, that person needs saving, that person's doing okay, they look the part, they look, they look like they are uh, a Christian, they act like they're a Christian, they talk like they're a Christian, well, don't, they don't need to save them, I need to save the homeless, I need to save the, the drug addict, I need to save this person, I need to save that person. <coughs> and so as we begin to shift from just a Christian, right? I love God and God saved me into saving mode where we become the superhero to save humankind. We become judges. And, and most people don't think of it like that. Like if I walk out of my office and I look down um, Main Street and I look at all the people as my, as my commission to save the world, I get to judge who needs saving and who I'm going to witness to, right? And so, so what that does is it takes the focus off of me and puts the focus on the world when that was never the intention of the Word of God. <clears throat> so now I become a judge and I become, because I am Christian, I become a judge and I become to look at people and say, I get to choose who's saved and who's not. <clears throat> and in my own mind, right? Of course, we believe, we don't believe that in reality, but our actions prove differently because now I walk out of the door of my house on a mission to save people. And when I walk out of my door to save people, I become a judge because I get to decide now who I witness to. And my own personal convictions become my lens and my filter by which I decide who needs saving. If they're not Pentecostal, then they need to be Pentecostal. If they're not Baptist, then they need to be Baptist. If, they, um, if they're smoking and I don't smoke, then, then I need to teach them about not smoking. Right? If they drink beer and I don't drink beer, then, then I need to save that person. Right? So my own personal lens of my life gets filtered through who I choose needs saving. So here's the reverse. The reverse is, Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw them into myself. And as you go, so Matthew 20, 19 says, Go ye therefore teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So, but that what that scripture really means is, as you go, and he's commissioned us to be a fountain. The Bible says that uh, rivers of living water will flow out of us. And so what happens is, is as we become transformed, seek out your own salvation in fear and trembling, as we become transformed the image and likeness of Christ, He begins to draw all people to, to Him through me. And I don't have to save anybody. And so it completely takes the blood off of my hands because I haven't signed myself up to save the world. Maggie and I used to have teenagers when we first got married. From the time we got married until Crystalline Grace was born, which was, um, she is six. We've been married almost 13 years. So, you know, seven of those years, Maggie and I, for every every day, minus 
maybe three months for our entire the first seven years we were married we always had someone living with us and it was usually teenagers because we were really heavily involved in youth ministry and we really loved and cared about the youth of our community and our town and our place and um, so we would take these kids in and we would mentor them and we would teach them and we would give them jobs and cars and all these things and lay out the red carpet for these kids and, and teach them the ways of God and um, uh, every single one hands down minus a couple um, maybe, well not minus a couple, everyone with a few distinctions returned to their old ways. When they, when, when they left our home, they literally returned to their old ways. And uh, it was a very, it was a family member of mine who knocked on my door one day and I was actually um, harboring <laughs> their child as a, um, because they were afraid to go back home. Um, and the, the, their parent came to me and said, you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not. And I'm like, how dare you, right? I am Christian. I am saving these children's lives. They are, they are, we are rescuing them from the world. He said, you're only, in so many words, you're only prolonging the, um, their demise, okay? That's not exactly how, um, how it came across, but that's exactly, I was like, how dare you? But I'll take it, I'm a big boy, I can take that. that but that was truth, like that was absolute, 100% truth, and I had to go back and apologize about that because <laughs> after that student left our home, literally went back and, um, not that they did anything bad, and I don't wanna frame it that way, because again, that makes me a judge, but what happened is they went back to their old way and because they have to learn how to find God for themselves. I was the mama bird chewing up the word of God and my experiences and giving it to them as a little tiny baby bird. And, and they were eating that. And the moment that I stopped feeding them like that, they had to find God for themselves. So they went back to the what the old way they were they were going and some found God in their own way. I'm sure all of them um, have a memory of the things that we taught them and the things that they learned and every life lesson. And uh, again, whether they're saved or not, it's not my uh, prerogative. Um, but, I, but I feel like what I did is I became an enabler Instead of being a savior, I became an enabler and I was able to enable these, these teenagers. And so um, that lesson hurt me because then it is, I gave up seven years of mine and Maggie's marriage to sacrifice for these teenagers to what I felt like at that time was to only turn their back on me. And then I had to realize that, um, was I doing that for them or was I doing that for me to give my own self um, satisfaction about what I was, what I thought I was doing for the world, and so what I've come to realize is this: I have to find God for myself, and in finding God for myself, as people are interested in what I've learned and my journey and all these things, I can give people my experience and my the tools that I've collected to help them make life a little bit easier. This whole idea that I'm going through crap, my testimony is someone else is far 
its purpose is for someone else, it's garbage. I can't find a scripture for that. There is no scripture that says, thou must go through tribulation so that other people will learn from it. No, it's not reality. Reality is we overcome, but we, I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So this idea that my challenge, I, I, and I hope you get, I hope God uses me to, to speak to you and helps you overcome the things in your life and, and set you on a path. But this idea that, that I went through all this is for you, it's not real. I went through all this for me so that I could be transformed in the image and likeness of Christ. And if you're interested in learning how I overcome all these things, that's great. I can help you. Like, I feel like my story, mine and Maggie's story, uh, how we came together, the crap that we went through, all the things that, the, that have, has happened in our life and the pain and the suffering and the, and the, and the uh, pressure that has produced the purpose in our life can help other people, but that's not why I went through it. I went through this so that I could be transformed the image and likeness of Christ. And to believe for a minute that it's for and I used to I used to believe that all this stuff that I'm going through is for somebody else and you know what happens is people get people don't want to people don't want to live I don't want to live my life for someone else so that someone else can have so that someone else can learn from me like that's I look at the sad people and the, the sad Christians in the world and I believe it's not truth it's not judgmental I believe that's what they think they think I'm miserable and I'm going through this for someone else and, and even through pain, which sucks, you know, life sucks, uh, tribulation sucks. Uh, however, there is hope in Jesus Christ. So tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope, and faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So all this, the tribulation is just for faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And it's impossible to have faith without tribulation. So um, I hope that helps you today transition from savior from this fake idea of christianity that our duty as christians is to save the world that was never the intention jesus christ spent his time with 12 men and being apostolic in its truest form was never about signs and miracles because he says Signs and miracles will follow them that believe. And there were signs and miracles before the days of the apostles, during Jesus' day, and there were people that were performing miracles without Jesus. Okay? And you know what he said about them. There'll be some that I'll say never knew you. So being apostolic is literally going house to house, talking about God's word, and eating. <laughs> that is apostolic. Okay? Um, and we have made this word apostolic so spiritually, such a spiritual hierarchy of mystery and mysticism that um, doesn't exist. I think, I think, I think, in some ways, we made being apostolic mean that we have a church service filled with signs and miracles and that is not scriptural 
that's possible and that's great and that's wonderful and that's beautiful. It's a beautiful display of God's miracles and power, right? It's wonderful. Church services that are filled with miracles and, and, and signs and wonders are wonderful and are powerful and are magical and are, and are uh, helpful and hopeful and it's helped me and it's saved me and it's, um, it's, moved, it's moved me and I just don't think that based on the scripture that I read, but that's apostolic. I don't. I don't see apostolic in, in that, as the scriptures have said. And uh, I hope and I believe that we as Christians. So me. This has been my journey, and this is my transformation. This is my experiences that I have come to realize that if I lift him up and I do my best as as I'm going through tribulation and trials and experience and patience and hope and faith and all these things, um, that as I become more connected to him. It's wild. It is wild since I've been sharing my story. People have come to me and they ask me, what is it? What is it? I hear, I hear this and I hear that and I hear a look at God and I hear your dad project. What is all this stuff? And uh, one, one friend of mine, we spent three hours uninhibited, unaltered, and how um, my life was changed by sharing my story with him. And, and I know he got something out of it, but it's just magical how um, how my life even has changed. Every time I tell my story, I got to tell my story yesterday in front of some ladies, and, and, and I was crying. They were crying, tearing up, rather, not really crying, but um, I got emotional. And it's just wonderful how the Spirit of God moves in me when I forget about trying to minister to everyone else because he says... Go to Jerusalem, go to Samaria, go to the Judea and other parts of the earth and be witnesses unto me, which he's talking about himself. Be witnesses unto me. Like, they will know you by the fruit that you bear. That's it. Like, that is the mystery that we miss is that if we take all of the things that we push out to the world, uh, we want to save you, I want to save you, you got to think like me, talk like me, be like me, read like me, uh, sound like me, look like me, dress like me, and, and turn, turn all those things and go, I just need to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus, think like Jesus, drink like Jesus, love like Jesus, produce fruit like Jesus, and then everything takes care of itself. <laughs>